The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game, the show about short video games, games that respect your time. I am Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by two fantastic co-hosts. Laura Nash. Nate Eininger. And this week we are talking about South Scrimshaw Part 1. South Scrimshaw is one of the weirdest, I think calling this a visual novel is like really just not correct and yet Stretching the boundary. Um, it's, it's a, it's a really interesting art thing that is, I, I, okay. It's released on Steam. (laughs) Yes. This is a thing released on Steam. (laughs) Yes. This is a, a beautiful thing released on Steam that we are going to talk about classification, but we should talk about what it is before we try to classify it. Want to try that, Reagan? Yes. South Scrimshaw is this incredible piece of artistic work. I think we keep circling the word game because we had a conversation before we hit record. We're going to come to that. <laughs> yes. Um, this is a, I think it's a game. I'm big. We will have that conversation later. Um, South Scrimshaw is nominally a visual novel. It's a visual story. Uh, they describe it as a visual story of a newborn whale in a vast alien ocean. It is a richly illustrated experimental visual novel written in the style of a nature documentary. So this is a free, let's write 100% free, you can go and download this for free on Steam or itch.io game that you can uh, that will take you maybe about an hour to two hours to play through the entire thing. One of the most shockingly consistent timestamps. I looked at it when I was about to play, and I think one of uh, the th- the three other of you it was like eighty six minutes, eighty seven minutes, eighty nine minutes. Oh my god, that's so funny! It is it is yeah. super tight timestamps yeah. for y'all, which which speaks to the fact that this is more or less entirely a um uh, like a linear experience. But what this is is a uh, someone who's primarily a visual artist, an extremely inventive uh, illustrator and visual artist, um, who is using visual novel tools to create something that's more akin to a nature documentary. But it's this bizarre, contrafactual uh, nature documentary about weird whales on an on an exoplanet somewhere out in deep space. Yeah, it's a fake animal documentary. And it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I watched uh, un- like for a person who's not super into the outdoors. I think I watched an abnormal amount of nature documentaries because I got a lot when I got my nice projector, and they helped me go to bed. I'm like, yes, let the the sounds of the giraffes like go just lull you to bed. Um, but it, it's it's spot on. It's got the like t- chapters right. It's got the voice and tone right. It's got the like ooh little like an anthropomorphic description of the oh the playful spirit of the the cub is doing the, i'm like yeah it's got yeah. the tone perfectly down except it's with a it's all illustrated um the steam site says there are 400 illustrations in this part one alone and i totally checks out yeah and honestly i would have guessed more it's it's so rich with visual art um i, I think we can't get too much farther without talking about the art style, which is this incredible, beautiful, 
literally like a uh, physical illustration. So this, there's a digital illustration element to this, but so much of it, especially the backgrounds and the, the like color and texture is, you know, so plainly paint on paper, either watercolor or other mediums. Um, it has this incredibly, um, uh, analog feel to a lot of it that you don't often get with, well, any digital game uh, art style. This just, it, it feels like every frame of this feels like something that would hang on a gallery wall. Uh, it's a it's an absolutely gorgeous, incredibly illustrated thing. Yeah, ultimately, I think that that's what this, this whole thing is for, is a way for you to absorb this art and have like a reason to be looking at it, if that makes sense. Like all of the inventiveness around the story, the creativeness around the story is really just serving the purpose of giving you really cool and interesting things to look at and to try to kind of comprehend and digest the story. But ultimately it's like a really beautiful picture book because it's almost exclusively still images over and over yeah. and over. Storybook or picture book is what I thought of too, because this watercolor ink uh, look and feel is it, you get a, a beautiful picture and it's still and you get a voiceover and then it advances to the next. It, it feels like you are just taking in the images. It, when you animate things, you must simplify them. You've got to do a lot of things for like foreground and background. Like there's got to be simplified bits. Um, they don't have to simplify because they don't have to really animate it. And it doesn't mean that the personality doesn't come through. They might be three quick illustrations showing movement or playfulness or um, expression of these whales. But you don't have to make it easier to animate. So you get this really, really rich detailed world the world building in this is incredible i think that's one of the strongest things about it yeah, yeah i i think that's actually like part of the the still image i think serves multiple purposes one like you said it you know the the artist didn't have to draw 800 versions of everything in order to create animation they could just create really beautiful still images and then with the way the narration works your only real interactivity in this game is tapping the screen or clicking in order to get to the next bit of uh, uh, narration. But it, until you tap it, that still image is just sitting there and it allows you to spend extra time with, uh, you know, the, the art that you might find particularly interesting, or if you just want to move on, you can just tap it and keep going. So you can really progress through this at your own pace, even though it sounds like, all of us progress through it at the exact same pace. <laughs> I, I don't want folks to have the impression that this is a totally storyless, you know, thing. Saying something is a nature documentary and that it's a, you know, it's a, it's an artwork and it's like looking at gallery walls. Um, all sort of puts way in the background the fact that this is the story of a young whale, um, mm -hmm. and it has a story. It has a character to it. Um, this is a. a uh, so this is taking place on a distant planet. I forget if they named the planet. The, there's the the Chronos Seven Project or something like that. I believe it, the planet is Chronos Two. Oh, okay. Um, 
So Kronos 2 is a distant planet somewhere out in deep space. Humans have traveled there, but this is all presented in the form of a nature documentary presented back to human beings, presumably on Earth. So um, it's not something where there's like a huge human presence on this planet. It's mostly researchers looking at the wildlife, which resembles Earth wildlife on the surface, but has many weird differences. And we're focused on this young whale who's born in the very beginning of this game, um, a a whale calf from a species called the Brillo whales, a obviously science fiction fictionalized whale species whose weirdest defining characteristic is that each whale, uh, once they reach maturity, builds what, what the researchers call their garden on their body and back. Each whale looks different. They take different things like plants and animals and other um, symbiotic life forms and graft them onto their bodies. So every whale looks, some whales look like, like, you know, shaggy masses of plants. Others look like weird structures made of like crab, chitin. They're just wild. Covered in octopuses. Yeah, um, whales that are, you know, every whale looks different. And it's because the whales uh, each have their own weird, basically each is their own weird ecosystem. And it's the story of this young whale calf who's born to an injured mother trying to make it back to where the whale's pod is, uh, you know, working, making their way across a dangerous stretch of ocean. Um, And this is part one. So there is a second part coming um, that's going to continue the story of this whale. uh, But this does tell a complete story. So if you're worried because this says part one on it and we don't know when part two is coming, that doesn't really matter. I'm really excited to see more of it, but this is a complete thing. And he said uh, chapter six, he's aiming for January. Yes, I can't wait. Ooh. Um, yeah, there's four chapters oh, chapter in Chapter five, sorry. Yeah, there's four chapters in this. The next chapter is coming out in January. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me, you know, this this is, it's such an incredible, apparently it took three years of work to create this. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's like basically a chapter a year. Um, yeah, he, he thinks it'll go faster because he has a story written. Um, but, uh, and also because people like this and he's gotten support. So now he can take off time and he's not, he doesn't have to do it as a side project. He can take a month, get a bunch of stuff done. So I'm excited about that. Um, if it doesn't come in January, nobody be mad, but that's his, his current goal. Uh, yeah. I'm, and I'm psyched. I'm psyched. I'm glad that he has you know, a date in mind and that this has apparently been something he's motivated to keep working on. Yeah, I, I love that the story too. You know, we did start this by talking about the art and whatnot, but um, the, it's a nature documentary, and it is one that is not without intrigue. There, mm-hmm. you know, think of any other um, animal-focused nature documentary that you may have seen. We're talking about uh, predator experience, uh, mating experience, like survival and uh you know what they do to survive in this world it's really compelling and it's all you know fictitious but and has this it's hard to explain it's such a perfect balance of weirdness that is based off of things that we know to be true so it's all just like slightly adjacent to what we're used to on our planet uh you know the coral reef system and structure that they go pretty deep into defining in this game is really cool and really strange and beautiful to look at and not quite how coral reefs work here, but it works. It's really interesting. And there's little teases of uh, previous wars on earth and why this project is 
looking at this whale in this level of detail. And there's another documentary about bugs elsewhere. Like there's little yeah. hints of this larger world. The That's schematic. my favorite stuff in sci-fi. Oh, I love that too. Um, when you get a breakdown of the schematics of the uh, underwater video and light drones that they're using to catch all of this, uh, all this footage. And when you get this like bisection blueprint, you know, they point out this is where the weapon systems were installed, (laughs) uh, but they've been removed in order to turn it into a peacetime research vehicle. You're like, okay, there's a little bit there, you know, this, all these little bits and pieces about the world that really make it compelling. Yeah. And I won't spoil it, but one of my favorite, one of those is the sea bun. Oh my God. The sea bun stuff was fantastic. Yes. Yes. uh, That's something I really wanted to make sure folks are aware of. It does say this in the intro, but it's easy to miss, especially if you're depending on what kind of screen you're playing this on. I started this game playing on steam deck and it works fine on a steam deck and it works fine if you're using a controller. Um, But one of the only real branching elements in this game is that occasionally there will be words in the subtitles uh, that are in a different color. And those are little opportunities to go deeper into a particular word. Uh, and if you click on that word, it you know pauses the main action of the nature documentary and goes on a little sidetrack for you about things like the sea bun or the schematics of the of the drones that they're using to observe the whales, etc. And um, I missed those completely when I played through the first two chapters, and I ended up playing the second, the first and second chapters again in order to uh, to catch those. Uh, which was no big deal. I enjoyed doing that. I loved uh, going back in and, and getting a little more detail. But it's easy to miss those if you. It's not a super high contrast difference between the it's, colors. It's yeah, yellow, yellow text, white, yeah. white like yeah. <laughs> and it's not possible to go backwards. No. So if you happen to accidentally click past a screen that has one of those highlights, um, yeah, you just got to play that chapter again. So if you uh, want to get that little that little extra detail, which is a bit of a bummer in my opinion, I would have liked the option to like go backwards a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, they are, uh, they're great. They're worth trying to not miss them. They provide a lot of color outside of the context of the nature documentary, the sort of like, well, who's making this documentary and where and why comes uh, in those little hidden the, elements. The ramifications of space travel was mm-hmm. one of my favorite ones and how, uh, new alien biomes may impact the uh your your digestive system and oh. and like <laughs> those poor people and, and how the military has managed that and just the overall vibe around it, it it's really funny and really, really clever writing i also um so th- this is available totally for free uh which is an amazing thing like it's a, this this artist has done a great gift to humanity putting this thing out for free and you should download it and you know say thank you to this guy um but one way that you can thank and support this guy is that on steam he also offers a 200 page digital art book as a 15 dollars dlc so i like this enough that i immediately after finishing it um spent the 15 dollars because i wanted a 4k image of mama whale to use as my desktop background or something and yes you do get that but the 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 book is also really good in that it gives you a little more context for how the artwork of this was created and also like where this kind of falls um, in this artist's sort of uh, journey as an artist. And one of the things that like the, so he tells you a little bit about his, you know, his past and the kinds of mediums he's worked in and the kinds of art that he's done. Um, but 
something that helped contextualize this for me um, was that he talks about the project that he did before this that was most directly related to South Scrimshaw, which was he did a series of uh, sort of print books or pamphlets um, around the 2010s called the Obscure Animal Compendium. Mm. And it was a series mm. of books that were basically just like fake animals, kind of like what this is. I don't think they had the same context of like these are animals from another planet. It was more just like, here are some obscure animals and weird facts about them. Things like, um, like I don't know, uh, looks like elk that would uh, eat from a bramble bush and then end up with the brambles embedded in their head and they would end up with a head that was like a tangle of brambles, that kind of thing. Or, or porcupines who would stack on top of each other to reach food from high branches. Um, just sort of like matter of fact, but weird, slightly tweaked versions of, you know, earth life. Um, it, you get the sense from the, in fact, he pretty much says explicitly that he's not super proud of these things in, in retrospect, that he just, he's not proud of the writing, but the art here really stands up. Um, mm. So these things were only available in print. But it's neat to see this as kind of like an evolution of that idea and that kind of concept and work. It was, uh, was that, you know, this, this is something that he's toyed with forever. He does art of the natural world and animals, but in this imaginative way where he's always wanting to create new imaginative animals instead of just, you know, this guy could be a, you know, Audubon or whatever, just drawing pictures of birds. And I'm sure he would draw him in incredible birds, but he would rather those birds have horns or, you know, a weird symbiosis with slugs in their brains or whatever else. Right. So really cool to see the, the evolution of his style. It's also kind of cool to, to compare his earlier art because he has a lot of it in this document or in this, uh, this, you know, digital art book and see how he adapted things to be able to, to do the game because a lot of his earlier art has this sort of um, uh, watercolor look uh, that works really well for sort of natural settings. But you can see that he eventually kind of fi figured out and settled on this style where the, the backgrounds are this watercolor look, but he's doing ink or digital line art on top of that watercolor, um, which works really well for things like being able to have expressive characters like the whale. The whale has such an incredible eye. Mm -hmm. you know, these like details in the whale's face in order to be able to, to get these like almost human-like expressions. I know, I love this little whale. I know. Oh, I big, boy. big fan of the whale. Oh, not the Brendan Fraser. I actually I haven't seen the whale. But the whale no. Pass on. I'm never going to see yeah, that. I really want to protect this whale, man. This poor little guy. I know. What a journey. A time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really cool to see. And so I would say if you like this thing, and I loved it, um, you know, don't be afraid to spend $15 on a PDF if it's supporting this artist. I think it's a great uh, I, I'm so glad that I did. I really enjoyed going through it, and now I'm I'm also picking through it for for art to uh, to put on my phone lock screen or whatever. I was gonna so. say, yeah, mm -hmm. it sounds like a perfect phone lock screen. What, what a destination that any artist truly strives for. <laughs> right? That's the dream. I've made it. Now I'm on Reagan's lock screen. I bumped his daughter off of his phone yeah. lock screen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, there definitely was a work event that I went to on Tuesday, and um, there were like three identical blue case type things. And someone was like, which one? And they bopped it. It was like child, dog, child, 
Zelda. <laughs> I was like, yes, <laughs> oh, no. it is me. I am the one with the Zelda background. Um, uh. I was like, I have no pets or kids. <laughs> um, I, I love the artist's uh, obvious sort of interest or maybe even obsession with the idea of symbiosis. It's mm-hmm. all over this game. Uh, like the the coral reefs are a symbiotic relationship. The whales are a symbiotic relationship. It, the whole thing is centered around these symbiotic relationships. And it makes sense. That it's a cool sort of platform for interesting art, right? It's a whale, but it's also a garden. It's a whale, but it's also a hundred octopuses. You know, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a really cool combo. It's also really cool to be able to have such a curious, hopeful nature documentary where it seems like they don't like the, the way it's written. They don't know what they're going to see next. The, mm-hmm. the, they don't, they're learning new things. Um, I, it's important, but a lot of nature documentaries right now are bummers because mm-hmm. they always end up and climate change is killing this adorable <laughs> creature. Yeah. That's important. It is nice and refreshing to be like, and we have no idea what's going to happen to this whale. And, oh, cool. He just went to someplace we've never been before. Like, it's a completely different attitude towards the documentary that I found really um, vibrant and exciting. That's true. It's kind of refreshing. It's like, this is, this is um, you know, absolutely untouched nature on another planet. And this is presuming a future where human beings have gone to this beautiful, untouched other other planet and haven't wrecked it yet. Mm-hmm. We haven't and, destroyed this yet. <laughs> and that's so, it is kind of hopeful to imagine, right? Like that, like that there is a future in which human humanity lands on other planets and our first thought isn't strip mining. It's like, very Starfleet uh, for those who are thinking of this as a big Starfleet. voyage home reference. There's of no course. references to that, by yeah. the way. Uh, I, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of nature documentaries are trying to educate you about something that the researchers and the creators know a lot about, right? This one is almost mm-hmm. more like, like a, like a band documentary where they, you know, started with the <laughs> band when it was really young and you just kind of go along the ride with them. They talk about the funding for the documentary. They talk about like, Oh, it was too dark for our cameras to film this part. So we don't really know what happened during this part. Like you're, you're there with the researchers rather than it just being an educational tool. And it's, Mm -hmm. it is, it's a really good lens for it. It just, it adds this layer of intrigue and the whole thing is, you know, supposed to be completely new to everyone. And you're there with them instead of just being told about a bunch of stuff that everybody already knows about. And I know um, Nate was earlier saying like, hey, you know, this is just a bunch of still images and it had, you know, you if you stop clicking, it stops moving. Um, but like that disappeared for me, man. Like when I think back on on the story of of playing through this thing, like these fish are swimming in my mind like it. it and it, it does some things like you know, like little effects that have some motion to them, things like you can see, like, I don't know, motes of krill moving through the sunbeams or whatever in certain frames. And and it does some really nice effects to try to liven things up. There's also little animations, you know, you might click and, and you see like a three or four frame animation of, a, of the whale swimming into a particular mm-hmm. position or something. So there is motion to this thing, but also it just feels alive you know it feels like it's moving even when it's not so i i i I don't know i just i just wanted to make sure that 
you don't don't get the impression that this is just like flipping through your gallery on your phone like this is it feels so alive to me yeah there's definitely more than uh it's it's more than a ken burns uh mm. for sure if that's what you're picturing it, it's got a lot more um i like how unexpected it is it changed scale it would go between like a technical illustration to um a really like a character shot close up. Um, there's a lot of cool um, things they do with zooming in and out to make it feel almost like a between an animatic and an animation. Um, I really liked it. I, I'm, I think a lot of people in the comments are comparing this to like, what if Miyazaki liked the ocean? I think that's a good way to think about it. I don't know. I'll take this over Ponyo any day. Mm. Ponyo's okay. Really, Don't get me wrong. It's I like right. Ponyo. It's just not my, Justin has not fallen asleep during Ponyo three times, and we we didn't finish <laughs> the Miyazaki mar- the Ghibli marathon because he fell asleep during Ponyo. Ponyo too is much. the sleepiest of all the Miyazaki movies. I think it's yeah. yeah I I I could see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope that this game, I hope that the artist decides to expand on this and create more stuff in this world. I want an actual like. Gan- we really keep playing around. How dare you, Nate? Yeah, but I, I don't want to gatekeep wanna, if this is a no, game, but like, I, I want a game in this world where I get to do the story of this whale, mm-hmm. but I get to like make choices and experience all the different adaptations and things like that. I want to make my own whale, basically, and I know that mm-hmm. requires so much more effort and so much more work. So I hope this artist can springboard from this and and make a. Uh, Something awesome where I get to make my own whale, I think is ultimately what I want. I want my own whale. Well, Nate, your only solution is going to be to buy some watercolors. Yeah. Well, so here's <laughs> here's the thing I keep – I will say before I get into this uh, thing, I 100% think people should check this out. This is free. It's awesome. I loved it. I wish – I think I would liked it more if it was a passive experience and I didn't keep having to press the space bar. And I think that um, to me, the interactivity didn't add anything to my experience. I don't really care. Like to me, this didn't, I, I don't care if it's a game or not. It didn't feel like a game. I would like, I would have liked it better had the game stuff been taken out and I could have just absorbed it in my own. I, I think I would have been more Which immersed like in this really film, beautiful or not even story short, as a, just as a film, as a like even, I, and I don't even need more animation, like as is without the subtitles with just the voiceover and just been able to watch this and maybe had the documentary bits that were the white text been just like cut or like fade and cut to a different thing. Like, mm-hmm. I think I would have liked it better. Uh, and I don't want to be a gatekeeper on what is there isn't a game, but to me, the visual novel part I just didn't want to have to keep turning the pages. <laughs> I think yeah. I see what you mean. Like, and I, I kind of agree in like the, in that, like, I think this would make a great one hour TV thing and would be maybe accessible to people who aren't on steam or itch.io looking for something to play. And instead, you know, this, like, I think anybody could appreciate this, even if they would never consider opening up a visual novel. Um, but that's it. Like, I think th- this was a still a really smart approach for this artist who wanted to create this thing. Like, I'm sure he had a point where he had to make the choice between do I make a short film using my art in this way? Do I make, I don't know, a website, an art book? Do I make 
uh, a visual novel like this. Um, and I am kind of glad he went with this set of set of tools and took this approach. It's it's I think it's really it's I think it's a well chosen medium here because first of all, like if you were making that choice, do I go like the way that this artist did and make this in the visual novel tools versus do I make this as a short film? I think the expectation for it as a short film would have been more animation. It mm-hmm. would have been much larger, a much larger production. It might not have been approachable as a hobby project uh, for this guy who he, he clearly is aware of film. This guy, it seems like his day job, at least in for a large part of his career is working as a concept artist in film. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a guy who clearly knows film and he still then chose to make this as a game or as a, you know, a and and it's not even that like well I thought I could get 15 bucks uh out of people as a game versus 5 as a as a weird thing you know movie or something um this was this is offered for free so like this was this is a um this is a very specific choice in terms of medium that this guy made and it's also interesting that he he chose to make it as a visual novel but then he discarded literally every visual novel convention that I can think of it's fully voiced almost no visual novels are um, it has no branching, no endings, no choices. Almost all visual novels I've ever played do. It has no game mechanics. Most visual novels have at least something or, you know, or, or, or something along those lines. He's just chosen, you know, in this case, it seems like RenPy, which is like a, a Python based, um, visual novel authoring tool. He's chosen that I think just because it gives him exactly the amount of control over the visuals that he wanted. Um, and so I think, I mean, I applaud the choice and I really want to see more experimental visual novels. This is the most experimental I have seen a visual novel get. And um, I liked it so much more than other visual, many other visual <laughs> novels I have played. Not to not to denigrate the, the medium, there's a lot of great stuff in it, but I'm just saying like, this is such a beautiful short experience. And I don't think it would have been possible for a single person to produce this in any other medium. I... I will reframe what I actually am asking for, and that is a button you can press that auto advances the text. Uh, fair enough. I totally agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think th- there is no problem with the amount of animation. Uh, you know, even subtitles on screen, I don't have a problem with. For me, it's just at times I would have liked to not have to advance the text because I really liked what I was seeing, and I didn't want to have to. I didn't want that mechanical aspect interfering with that experience. Yeah. yeah. I, I still, I, I kind of said it earlier, but I think it was, it is a choice that allows you to move through the art at your own pace. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If you want to sit on a particular piece of art, you can, there's no additional work required. If you, if it was a, a short film or, or not even just a, a film length film, you'd have to have your remote out pausing all the time. If there was something that you wanted to stick with. And that's not like a normal film watching experience and whereas this you're taking the normal experience of having to interact with it to, to move it forward and i definitely there were times where you know the the narrator is done i i like the voice cla- i mean what's a what's a game without a, a british accent narration at this point you know you gotta mm-hmm. have it um but there's sometimes we I'm haven't like, talked about incredible sound thing. design my god the sound design yeah. is so good and mm-hmm. you couldn't have done that in like yeah i mean obviously All you using free film, open but. source all using open source uh, sounds too. the the credits at the end is like four pages of all the sounds that he used off of uh, open source websites, which is cool. yeah, free sound or whatever. Yeah. Incredible stuff. Um, so 
I'm not sure what else there is to say about uh, South Scrimshaw other than that, like, I think this is something that if you have a device that can play a game downloaded off of Steam or Itch, like this, this should be like, absolutely like spend an evening with this thing. It's, it's an incredible work of art. I loved every bit of it. Um, and I'm still sitting here leafing through the art book and just staring at some of these. Uh, it's really nice if you if you like the sort of like, like breaking down a piece of art thing, because he's got a lot of the, the bigger illustrations presented with like, here's just the background, here's just the line art isolated here, you know, kind of breaking down like his Photoshop layers, basically, so you can see the process a little bit. And it's, it's really cool. And you, you can see details that you might not have, you might have missed if you were just playing through it at speed. So yeah, I'm, I'm such a fan of this thing. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, what a gift for this artist to put this out for free. I love the word scrimshaw. I've always mm-hmm. liked that word. It's a good <laughs> word. I, it's, it's perfect for this because, I mean, it, as far as I can tell, like the only place that, that South Scrimshaw is referenced is there's a little bit of geography talk at one point where they're mm-hmm. talking about like where the whales are raising their babies. And it is in a, a bay between two islands that the, the, uh, the researchers have named like North Sim- Scrimshaw and South Scrimshaw. And um, never referenced again, single momentary reference but the word scrimshaw is so good it and it just it just evokes something about whales mm-hmm. right probably um probably thinking of like moby dick or something i don't yeah, know yeah cuz uh it's a uh, carving on whale right. tusks whale cartilage whale bones and so it's a really cool remnant word where it it sounds like the sea it sounds like whaling mm-hmm. but you Probably, unless you watch a lot of Antiques Roadshow, can't exactly put your finger on what Scrimshaw is, which is a great <laughs> title. I I think I could go for more fake nature documentaries. I, I enjoy yeah. I enjoy mm-hmm. nature documentaries, but I but I also don't like them at the same. I don't like watching animals in peril, and that is such a uh, such a yeah. That's a huge of proponent of most of the. <laughs> oh. They've yeah, recently so started true. just doing ones about dinosaurs. Ugh. I haven't um, watched any of those. Have you? Because I, I know my kid would like them, but I'm a little worried about the peril aspect. I, I actually had I tried to get my kids to watch um, one of the Disney like penguin movie things. Mm-hmm. It's like a Disney nature documentary. It's on Disney Plus. Um, and I was like, let's watch something other than than goddamn cartoons for ten minutes in our lives. And they watched that, and they were kind of into it, but like. There's even like mild peril for the penguins where they were being stalked by a um like a, a seal, like put my like just traumatized my poor kids and I felt terrible. So I want to show my kids the, the these dinosaur fake dinosaur documentaries because I know they'd be super into seeing dinosaurs in almost any context. But I'm I'm worried. It's like why did the T Rex eat that poor baby? And they like, look oh. rad. Uh, there's a lot of eating of animals. <laughs> um, I mean, there's just a lot of predators. I, if you yeah. are looking for a kid friendly one, though. Um, Tiny Worlds, which is inexplicably narrated by Paul Rudd, because they were like, Ant-Man should do the bug documentary. Oh, that's cool. And it's just about bugs, and they do a lot of like weird tilt shift stuff to make the bugs feel more playful, and there's a lot of goofy music. I found it very 
very fun. Um, but I, you can't. Like, I was also like, this is for children. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> Which you great. have. I, so. <laughs> I, exactly what I need. I, I need more um, something like that to watch with my kids. Yeah. yeah. Although, uh, you know, even though I was saying, like, I don't like watching Animals in Barrel, so a fake nature documentary is my solution. Well, I still felt a lot of, uh, like, tenseness in this one as our little whale friend went through standard uh, animal peril situations, too. So, oh, man. And um, the way the art style shifted during the, the shark attack yeah. sequence was yeah. really striking. Yeah. Um, this, yeah. Dude, Tiny World is like, here's a dwarf mongoose. It's like little animals is the whole thing. And so they don't. I have not seen a single one of them die or be in peril because it's little about, animals like, are, are. It's the little animals edible. that could. <laughs> Love it. That's what I like. I want. And I mean, the first yeah. episode is a dung beetle too, and it's like, what's it rolling? It's poop. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> There's okay, nothing. That, yeah, you sold me on that for my kids. My kids will love that. I'm yeah, tr- track that down. Um. So, anything last uh, to say about uh, about South Scrimshaw? It's Otherwise, gorgeous. We, it's free. Download it. There's no reason not to check this out. You can engage Absolutely. in it really quickly, and I think you'll know within the first like ten minutes or not whether this is for you. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say, I think it gets better and better from a story perspective. Like it, it, it kept me enthralled all the way to the end i thought it was interesting and the story just gets more and more interesting as you get as you more fully understand this world so if you're like hating it in the first 10 minutes then it's probably not for you but if you find yourself even like a little bit like okay i'm enjoying this just see it all the way through it's not that long 86 minutes or whatever yeah totally all right do we have a little time for what's making us happy this week yes we do Uh ah well then laura What's making you happy this week? So I am very excited because a artist I like, Matt Stevens, um, had a Kickstarter a while ago called Good Movies as Old Books. He had a project where he was illustrating like what if movie poster, but it's a cover that looks like a 1930s pulp book or, you know, an old like 1800s like Boy Scout thing. Like all of these are in different styles. Um, they had a, I got three prints, um, which actually you can see behind me. Well, you can't because I was blocking with my mic. Um, we have two, three prints and a copy of the volume one, but he just said, I liked doing this so much. I've made enough for another book and I am thrilled. (laughs) It's been, um, I had a book of the first 50. There's now 50 more with, uh, new movies and old ones. The, Art is sometimes it's like a mid-century modern thing. I love, for example, the Mission Impossible one, which is very iconic. Um, it is almost impossible to describe art on a podcast. But if you go to uh, goodmoviesasoldbooks.com, you'll see the original books and prints. But um, yeah, kickst- I'm just kickstarted part two. We're really excited to take our three photos to six. <laughs> There's a poster of all the old ones. Man, this art is just so rad. You might not, for me, a thing I I love art and I love concept art and I love movies. And it is very hard sometimes because there's great art for a movie you don't like. And then there's a movie you love and the art is bad. And I think because there's, I like this art, I like the style, I, I can just almost entirely like, we sat and we're like, well, let's pick three that go well together out of because there were so many things that I liked the art and I liked the movie that I could be picky. Um, thrilled that there's a whole new batch. Um, 
I can't wait to put this up in my room. I can't wait to look at the book. Um, his art, his choices are all over the map. And I think it's like, we have decided that our living room, cause it doubles as like the, the projector room. We only put art up about like video games or movies. And so this is perfect. We have all the prints above our bookshelf um, to kind of tie the room together. Um, check it out. Very cool yeah, art. Awesome. I smashed that button. I was like, yes, take all of my money. Um, I was like, how many prints can we buy? And Justin's like, please don't buy more than three more prints. We already have three. <laughs> I was like, we could rotate them. He's like, we're not going to do that. Please calm down so I can buy the book. So I can, um, but if I, um, if I had a library, I would be putting this up all over the, the library walls. Well, that's awesome. I'll try to have a link in the show notes for folks who are curious, want to take a look themselves. Um, uh, similarly, in the world of art, I will share, I have acquired another piece of art for my collection this week. Um, and I'm going to do the terrible podcaster thing of just showing this to my, to my, to my co-hosting over his desk. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to explain okay. this, um, but I'll go. show it to my co-hosts. I have completed the set <laughs> i've gotten oh pair. no art <laughs> the we're using these. art very liberally this episode we yeah. certainly are. um so listeners i'll explain um i uh, i have a collection um <laughs> i think maybe maybe my pitch to you listener is if you have a the collecting shit in your life can be a, a pain in the ass don't start a dumb collection but also if you do start a collection make it super specific and ultra dumb so that it doesn't take up too much space but it gives you a laugh every time mm-hmm. i have a i've uh, i have a, a small but but pretty comprehensive collection of um uh, merchandise from the 1980s where Garfield is using a computer. <laughs> and um, that's a pretty specific niche. And so my eBay saved searches don't pay dividends all that often. That's um, why I love you, Reagan. But occasionally they do. And for a long while, actually, this one, this one came in. This, one, this was a gift from Shane. So Shane uh, bought me. Enabler. Knowing, this is my thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. bought me this beautiful 1981 uh, Inesco porcelain uh, figure of Garfield uh, smashing a 1980s CRT atop a, um, you know, desktop computer type of thing with the caption in very 80s computery font, compute this sucker. Um, And (laughs) for a long while, I didn't know that it had a companion piece uh, which is of Odie, the the odious devil Odie, uh, using his computer without smashing it, looking very smug with the caption, I like my computer. Because, mm. of course, he's an idiot. Um, and so now that I have a matched set of these, uh, my life is complete. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I... I will post some photos if you're if you're curious if you're a listener and you want photos of all the other uh, '80s computer garfs in my collection. Uh, I have quite a lot, and I am uh, always happy to share. So, um, but yeah, this was this was my latest acquisition, and as far as I know, the only other Garfield computer porcelain uh, figurine that was available on the market in the 1970s or 80s. It's incredibly specific. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Uh, Nate, what's making you happy this week? Well, how do I follow something like that, Reagan? I mean, it's, it's truly incredible. 
You're a collector among collectors. I um, am true iconoclast. It's yeah, true. it is. Uh, I'm, I'm both. I'm proud of you. I'm excited for you. Um, it's truly incredible what you've shown on your screen. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just thinking a quick little round robin of uh, it's not round robin. of It's just me. A quick little rundown of some games that I've been playing that I've been enjoying. Uh, most of which I've been talking about on this show already, but Molly and I have nearly completed nobody saves the world it's a game by Drinkbox studios i talked about it like three months ago on this show it's a uh we've been playing it couch co-op um it it stays awesome all the way until the end it it i do think like it's probably a little too long um but still it's it's amazing if you remember you're you're unlocking new forms it's like a dungeon crawling beat up type of game and the uh, the the interesting sort of mechanic is that you can basically piece together all of the different forms and create your own play style. And mm. as you get further and further, you've ultimately unlocked something like 16, maybe more different forms, each with their own unique abilities. You can combine and, and, and make your own thing. It's a lot of fun. I, I highly recommend it if you haven't played it. Um, drink box continues to do no wrong so check that game out uh i'm somewhere i think around halfway done with what i will call my experience with tears of the kingdom i don't i am not a uh 100 type of person i'm getting closer and closer to just saying all right i just need to finish this game because i'm going to spend the rest of my life playing this game uh so you know shane and i did that episode a month ago or so about it and i'm still loving it but it is like totally the antithesis of what we're doing on this show. And at some point I have to end it, but Laura, you're playing it now, right? I am playing it now. And Justin's playing it. Um, I don't know if you remember, but he played breath of the wild without fast travel. Right. And he's doing that again with tears of the kingdom, except the issue is uh, when you go in the depths, you have to get out. So his new, his rule in the depths is that you can only, uh, you can teleport up if you have both the shrine on top and the thing on bottom active. I'm trying to be vague yeah, for the two yeah. people who haven't played this yeah. game. So he basically is um, trying to like simul dive in two worlds at once. It is dire. It is like he he will be in yeah. the depths for days. Um, but Tell I, him I think it's bullshit and he should have to carry around a hot air balloon and ample batteries because he could get out of there. <laughs> if he, uh, you know, <laughs> He carried around all the stuff. Yeah, um, but he's still doing no fast travel in this. Um, it made it a little easier by I the fact that you inherit your old horses. But he continues to – he's not doing what he did in Breath of, the, Breath of the Wild, which was not doing fast travel and writing a journal as if he were Link going through during a travel journal. See, I love that. That's great. Which was that exquisite. Is, that, is, he- that is an equally <laughs> insane thing as collecting – Garfield using a computer figurines from the eighties. And I love it. <laughs> yes. But I think no he has too thing. many people to manage at work to write a journal for cares, the kingdom, but he's still keeping his no fast yeah. travel rule. So we are having drastically different, um, life experiences and tears, the kingdom, both enjoying it. Um, he is sad when he comes home and he's like, why are the controllers dead? And I'm like, cause I was using ring fit. <laughs> he's like, but I need to play on the dock. <laughs> um, but you know, we're, we're well, balancing. 
Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Molly and I are doing the same thing where we're sharing a single switch trying to play through the game. Uh, and we have recently unlocked a critical new understanding is that our kids love watching us play <gasps> Zelda. So you could has, do it during the day now. Oh, yeah. It's unlocked wow. a whole new avenue of, uh, <laughs> of Zelda playing. And it has significantly ramped up our, our completion rates. Um, although it is slightly annoying. but He is a full dungeon or full temple ahead of me. So mm-hmm. he also enjoys watching me play, which is helping yeah. me play more. But that um, could also mean nothing because you could be like 100 hours in this game and never done a single temple. So it, yeah, yeah. You know, it depends on how you're you're progressing. Um, but yeah, I got to end it at some point. Like I want Baldur's Gate 3. I'm going to start soon. Starfield. It's a, gr- it's a horrible time for a short game podcast, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm, yeah, man, Baldur's Gate is already cutting into yeah. everything I do for this show. We, we, we may have to take a month off while I <laughs> Baldur's Gate. I am excited about Starfield too. You know, I don't, I, don't even bring it up. Laura yeah. just goes on and starts talking about whatever she wants. I'm just like, hi, yeah, I, just, yeah. <laughs> what did I do this week? Everybody else is playing Baldur's Gate and I refuse. I cannot. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to say much about it, um, but the third game I was going to say is that I have started playing Dredge. Everyone's talking about Dredge. We're a little behind on it, but we're all going to start playing Dredge, we believe. So, yeah, uh, it's I think what we'll probably do and don't quote me on this, but what we'll probably do is uh, next week we might do another one of our topic based episodes to give us a little padding time to really explore Dredge. Um, this seems to be a, a a meatier game than we typically play, so I want to make sure we have time to really properly uh, check it out. Um, but yeah, we'll be coming back with that soon, hopefully. Um, and uh, then question marks. So if you, listener, have any suggestions on games that we should be covering on the show uh, that aren't Baldur's Gate 3, ideally ones that I can fit in between sessions of Baldur's Gate 3 <laughs> while I <laughs> do that, um, let me know. Uh, I've been fully uh, infected by the... Um, by the mind flayer brain worm and can't mm-hmm. stop playing Baldur's Gate 3. Um, so thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the show. You can find us on the internet at shortgame.fm. That's the website where you can find all the good stuff. We got links and buttons to everything that we do, all of our socials, uh, links to our podcast on all the various different platforms. And most importantly, a link to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the short game, which is where you listener can support the show. We've had some really kind new supporters recently. Thank you so much for supporting the show. It means a lot to us and it lets us do things like buy new or replace uh, equipment. Uh, You know, when a show goes for 10 years, I guarantee you microphones do wear out. You have to replace them. We've (laughs) been having to do a little bit of that. Things like that. It helps a lot. It also helps pay for the hosting that gets this show to you. Um, it helps us occasionally buy games, which helps us, you know, offset the, the costs. You know, this is not a uh, not a big commercial uh, going concern. We do very occasionally get uh, review codes, but most of the games you hear us talk about on this show have been bought four times by this ho- by the hosts. Um, so uh, keep that in mind and think about how many indie games your support will buy. <laughs> um, let's see. Thank you so much. Uh, for for joining us here today and let's see you can find me on uh, mastodon mostly at reagan r-a-y-g-a-n at bird.rodeo and uh, uh, laura where can people find you uh you can find me 
I'm basically not active anywhere, but you can alert me on X at Laura J. Nash or at Laura J. Nash at Bird.Rodeo if you are on Mastodon. But mostly Discord if you're a Patreon. Yep, that's the best place to contact any of us. And uh, Nate, where can people find you? Yeah, definitely echo both the love for Discord and also that it is really the best. That's where I am most active by a mile. Um, But yeah, you can find me on the other socials, NateSTL on X and NateSTL at bird.rodeo, which uh, on Mastodon, which I have always laughed at bird.rodeo but it's far better than saying at x now so oh, 100%. <laughs> so i'm coming back around on mastodon <laughs> see my branding skills there <laughs> yeah. they don't look so bad now um uh-huh. thank you once again listeners and uh we'll catch you next week on another episode of the short game